Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Joe Gallant is gallant by name and gallant by nature. His business, Be Gallant, creates websites and branding mainly for charities, churches and small businesses. Joe has found that if you're organising in-person networking these days, then you need to be offering something more than just a social event. Thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast today, Joe. I am absolutely thrilled to be here with you, Liz. Good to hear that. Now, your current business is all about websites and branding, but have you always done this? What's what's your background, Joe? Good question. So my my background, I suppose, with my... um, degree was in video production Mm. um tv production so i yeah i studied that partly because i really enjoyed it like Mm. i i couldn't stand school up until i was able to start taking um media studies yeah and then suddenly i'm like okay i can actually like enjoy something that i'm learning here um and so yeah carried that on at uni partly because i enjoyed it and also because there were no exams which was a big (laughs) plus point for me um and so after uni, I actually took a bit of a left turn and, and worked for a church for a couple of years mm. um, and was doing a lot of video work there. I was also freelancing on the side. So I was working on exhibitions, conferences, concerts. My my first day of work, I was working on um, on tour with JLS. Wow. This <laughs> random tidbit. Um, but um, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. But I, I just found that, especially with the freelance stuff, I was away like Thursday to monday every week and it just wasn't sustainable yeah i was eating a load of rubbish food at service (laughs) stations you know it just wasn't a long-term thing um but i also discovered whilst i was working for the church that i really enjoyed design Mm. um and i'd i'd done bits and bobs i'd done some web stuff um i was picking up more graphic design um i just realized that i really enjoyed it so i thought let's give it a go. <laughs> um, I suppose that's probably the amount of thinking that went into it because you can do that when you're slightly younger and more naive. Um, and so I got my first couple of freelance clients on just friends and contacts that were on Facebook and saying, oh, I think I need this doing. Does anyone know someone? Mm. And I just went straight in there confidently and said, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and kind of learned on the job um, and didn't, you know, have any spectacular design failures or anything and, and just built it from there, really. Yeah. So why did you decide to go down the self-employed route rather than go work for someone else? That's a good question. I think naivety plays into it again. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. So I I figured that was pretty much the, the route for, for mm. design stuff. Um, and of course, there's the agency side of things, but maybe because it, I didn't come from like a formal design background, mm. I didn't um, I didn't really consider that read too much um and so yeah it's the case of right well there's there's some work there some people asking for it let's go for it um combined with the freelance work that I was doing for for video stuff anyway Mm -hmm. so I already had a little bit of a handle on you know how to do my tax return and and that sort of thing how to do invoices so it wasn't particularly daunting in that sense yeah yeah but what also really helped is that um I was actually offered a job by someone who was at our church at the time Mm. um it's a long story but essentially he had a digital startup and he needed someone to handle all things digital Mm. um so 
I wasn't looking for a job at that point, but he he offered it and it seemed like a good fit. So I thought, well, if I can do that on the basis of, I think I, I started on four days a week, eventually went down to three. Yeah. I could do the self-employment stuff on the side of that yeah. and do as much or little as I needed to without the huge uh, financial pressure that that had to be mm-hmm. my sole income. Uh, and I think that's the way that a lot of people do it, whether yeah. that's by choice or just by yeah. kind of falling into it. Yeah. So how long ago was that? How long have you been um, fully self-employed? So fully self-employed, I've recently celebrated five years of that. Very good. Um, and I think I was in that job for four and a half years. So so probably six months before that, I had my first design client sort of thing. So it's about 10 years. Yeah. But yeah, five, five years of that as it being my my only income. Yeah. And how have things changed over those those 10 years that the way that you approach business for example yes good question I think the um the biggest change really has come in the last year or two because although you know stuff changed over covid um you were having to be a bit more proactive in terms of building relationships because those sort of incidental meetings weren't happening when you Mm -hmm. weren't seeing people um so Although I'd done some networking before, I'd picked that up a lot more during COVID, uh, which I'm sure we'll come back to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the last year or two, as it's been quite a time of change for us as a family. And so my working patterns have changed where I've been looking after our daughter. Um, it's obviously had an impact on our combined income mm-hmm. where my wife's been on maternity leave. And so I've had to be that much more sort of focused and organized in, in that time. Uh, and also I think I can't quite put my finger on this still but in the last year the word of mouth stuff has just dropped off and Mm. I could definitely with the sort of imposter thoughts creeping in say that's that's my fault but thankfully I've had five or six different people say exactly the same thing to me yeah none of us are quite sure why yeah It, it just seems that that word of mouth that referral has just dropped off yeah, And that's not because our clients sort of aren't happy with us or don't want to recommend us. I, maybe it's a cost of living thing. Maybe it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, that's how, the way that it seems to have gone. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I would say that the last year has been quieter for me than the year before. And a lot yeah. of people that I'm speaking to have said the same thing. So there's there's something going on there, isn't there? <laughs> It's yeah. not just us, Joe. <laughs> that's no, the main no, that's thing. It. But of course, as a self-employed person who like you've only got yourself and your webcam to sort of yeah. like, outlet to and to blame. So so your immediate thought is, oh, what is it that I'm doing wrong? And actually, mm-hmm. you could have changed nothing. What yeah. it has meant is that I've I've been more strategic and proactive in um, looking for ways to get work that doesn't just rely on people happening to recommend as and when they f- feel like it or hear of things, you know, people that are looking for for my services yeah yeah so let's talk about your services now who, who are your clients what kind of sector do you tend to work in so as with many sort of creatives web designers I have a pretty wide variety of people that I work with um, but one particular niche that I really enjoy working with is churches and charities so probably traditionally I say about half of my clients are churches and then charities and small businesses make the other half mm-hmm. as a result of the word of mouth being less I've had um, much fewer churches in the last year um, and that's been an interesting one to deal with because that that's what I love it's, it's why I, I started the business mm. in a lot of ways um, so sort of saying well how how do I manufacture something where I've not really had to work to manufacture that before yeah. because that has been more word of mouth and 
naturally it's great to get business from from networking and that sort of thing but it's not going to tend to be whatever your niche is but especially mm-hmm. you know with churches you're not going to meet many people who are referring that sort of work yeah um so so yeah they those are that that's a, a niche for me but i i very much work with all sorts of organizations yeah now i'm going to ask you why this niche because on the face of it churches and charities well they don't have a lot of money do they joe <laughs> no <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> right um and yeah i mean to to split those two out i think for charities there's a more obvious return on investment because mm-hmm. you can say okay well they haven't got that much money but they know by investing some money that hopefully they can get more yeah that's assuming you know yeah. that it's uh, the fundraising is a primary goal of the charity which yeah. it usually is um with churches a bit different because although people often have the picture of them as fundraising organizations actually they're not and i've i've had conversations with past clients of saying would it help, you know, in terms of you referring me if I had like a referral scheme and there was a percentage of projects that you referred went to it? And they've they've said no, because we're, we're not interested in getting money that way, mm. um, which is a nice thing, because it also means, you know, if they want to refer me, they're going to refer me <laughs> incentive yeah, or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the goal for a church is, is very different and, and often very hard to measure because ultimately it's about getting a message out to the people in their community. Yeah. And so things like SEO are going to be important, but not hugely important to a church because they're not looking to start a blog which connects with every single person around the world. They want to reach out to people who are in their town, people who quite possibly are already aware of them and walk past and see the notice boards and and that sort of thing. And so it's a different approach and it needs that cohesive approach that includes the sort of offline marketing which a lot of small businesses just don't need to worry about these days because you work from home, you've not got a shop front or a sign mm-hmm. or, or anything like that, you know, let alone billboards. Um, but it does provide an, an interesting challenge and definitely a variety. You know, that that's partly why I love working with lots of different churches, but just lots of different clients in general because yeah. I could be working with a comedian one day and an accountant the next day and a business coach, you know, yeah. or maybe all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and they're all going to have different approaches. Yeah. So tell me about the uh, the services uh, that you offer. What what do you do for your clients? So I've narrowed it down um, over the years. And actually, since since I went full time, I've narrowed it down to um, the website design and the brand design. And by brand design, um, it will include a logo. But wider than that, it's generally a visual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so different ways of that you can present yourself. And ideally, I'll approach both of those things at the same time. You know, if someone is wanting to have a visual refresh, then the chances are that if they're going to redo their brand, then they're probably going to want a new website to match. And if they're going to invest in a new website, then unless they have branding that they're happy with and represents them well, then it's probably worth investing in in the both of them. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do do them um, separately as well. Um, I think generally, if I'm doing them separately, it tends to be the website on its own rather than the branding. Yeah. But they dovetail quite nicely together. So my process tends to be that, assuming that I'm doing both the, the rebrand and the website, we'll start off with the logo itself and we'll find an identity there. And that will naturally include some discussion of color and typography yeah. and the different fonts and typefaces they want to use. And then once we've got that initial identity um agreed on and obviously iterated and agreed to something where the client likes it and and is happy that it's going to work for them i'll then move on to putting that into the website and creating a home page and that really helps to 
give a an idea of what the brand's going to look like in context. Mm. Um, and it might be that off the back of that, we go back and make some changes to the logo or we choose a different typeface because when we put it in play there, um, you know, obviously that that's part of what I'm considering in the logo design anyway. But I think just seeing it in context is often really helpful. And there have been cases where a client sort of said, well, I like the logo, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. And then you show it to them in the website and they say, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have to have every little visual icon that I can think of doesn't have to go in the logo. Um, but it can form part of the wider brand identity, but the logo can remain quite minimal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then go from there. Yeah. So build out the rest of the website. Um, and I'm, I don't think this is unique, but it's important to me that I operate on a basis of um, it's very easy for people to make changes to their own website. And yes. then from there on, if they need me, I'm here. Yeah. But especially when you're working with churches and charities, you know, I'm not interested in getting people into expensive retainers. I yeah. don't, I have one client who pays for an hour or two a month and they don't always use that. And I end up feeling bad, <laughs> but at least like they, they know that I'm here for them. Yeah. But the vast majority of my clients, they are, they're able to sort it themselves. And then on the occasions when they do need a bit more, then they can just pick up the phone to me. Yeah. So why would you encourage a small business, um, a small business owner to, to pay somebody to do their website and their brand design rather than try and do it themselves? I wouldn't always. <laughs> um, I think there's a, there's a perception of sort of it being expensive and, and actually it is expensive, but if it provides the value that it's worth it. Yeah. What I'd say is that if you're looking to pay someone because you know that you can't redo it yourself, but your budget doesn't really allow to pay for someone to do it properly, then at that point, you're probably better off not kind of just going halfway. Mm -hmm. You're probably better off doing something yourself, but keeping it really simple. And then when you have established um, and proved that your business is viable, then you can invest in it. Um, obviously, you know, I would love if that conversation could happen on day one and we can put something in place straight away. But what I don't like seeing is people spending money and being willing to invest in something but not getting what they paid for yes and they're ultimately not getting the value and that's why I saw, that's why when I was working for the church I started to go more towards this idea of design and web and, and what I could do myself because actually they the charitable organizations that I was looking at they were willing to spend money and actually quite good money but it was going in the wrong places and they weren't really getting what they needed. Yeah. And ultimately that's that's a waste and it's bad enough if a business is, is wasting money in an individual. But when it's a charitable fundraising organization and people have put up funds yeah. for this project and then you see it just wasted. And and in practice, what that looked like is often that they would have a very nicely coded um, sort of custom template for their website. But when it was handed over to them, that was all it was. It was a template and a shell. And yeah. So they had to go and fill it themselves um and ended up spoiling what they paid good money for yes <laughs> and they would have been better off having someone where the budget had gone into having a more cohesive project yeah um and having everything done yeah. for them yeah oh um, I've, I've been there joe <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it's a shame because you you do hear of of stories of and it's it's often uh the web design side rather than the graphic design side although i, I hear of people with the branding side as well where um, they just feel come away from it frustrated and then they end up not wanting to pay someone to fix it either because mm -hmm. they think they're going to be burned again. Yeah. And I, I completely get that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the other side of paying someone to do it, not just the, the peace of mind of, of you not having to do it yourself, but it's 
having the right person can bring you along with them. So rather than just taking it away from you saying, right, it's done, here you go. Um, this is very much the case with the clients they have who get quite scared by the techie stuff and they don't understand what's going on. And it'd be very easy for me to just uh, kind of override them and say, here you go, this is what's going to work for you, done, here's my invoice. Mm -hmm. And actually it's you know part of my... Um, values are in terms of respecting people and valuing the people who are actually putting their trust and their investment into me and in doing that just leading them through kind of holding their hand through the project which sounds yeah. really patronizing but sometimes that's what people want yeah. and it gives them the confidence to then make those decisions about what they want things to look like and how they're going to use it going forward and do that with confidence and yeah not not worrying did I do the right thing yeah yeah. Now, we've already briefly touched on networking. So uh, mm. we know that it's something that you do. Is networking something that you've always done? Uh, formally, it's something that I've done for the last five years. Um, I maybe been to a couple of events before that, but I'd not particularly thought of it. I suppose that there's a sense in which I always did it because I was building a network. Um, I would go to events not with the purpose of networking you know I'd go to conferences occasionally I'd, I'd speak at a conference and you'd meet people and you'd connect with them and you try to in some way maintain those relationships mm -hmm. um, in terms of actual networking events that was really when I um, started my business full-time and I'm, I'm grateful that that I did <laughs> I don't think had we stayed in Bournemouth um I don't think I'd have done it. But because we moved back to Kent at the same time as I went full time, mm. I knew that I was coming back to a place that, okay, I'd grown up here, but I realistically didn't have much of a network. Yeah. And so it made me put myself out there more. Um, and so that was, I was involved for a little while with a BNI that was, that was starting up um, sort of informally involved with that. And then there was a lunch group um, not too far away, which I did for a year or so. Um, and that was a really nice introduction, actually. Um, you know, in, in some senses, those those two groups were chalk and cheese because the lunch group was very relaxed. Um, it was obviously extended because it was over lunch. And so mm -hmm. you're sitting down with people, you're chatting for, for a while rather than just going around and handing out business cards. Um, and there was still, I was reflecting on this the other day, I was at a, um, a day retreat, for lack of a better word, of like sales and strategy mm. um, planning for the year. And some, someone there that I knew said, you know, I don't really get many clients through networking. And I said, that's fair enough that that's your perception. But actually, we met through networking. And looking at two other people around the table, I said, all of us met through networking yeah. and we worked together. And the two people running that day, I met them both through that lunch group, um, yeah. funnily enough. Um, and then obviously, you know, COVID came around and, and changed everything. And there were groups that went online that I joined and groups that started online and and some of them still going, some of them ended. But I think for me, where I am now, I've found a place and a balance where I'm happy with the groups I'm in. There are others that I'll dig into occasionally, but I've got different groups that I, I go to and I'm part of for different reasons. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm sure I know you've mentioned the Creative Collective before. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a regular fortnightly thing. Um, I'm part of another fortnightly group, which thankfully tends to happen on the other weeks when Greater Collective is not on. <laughs> and that's um, that's a local breakfast group. It's not a huge group, but it's a really nice group, you know, nice relationships. And people really care about trying to bring business for everyone else there. Mm. 
so that's been good yeah um yeah so those are the, the two sort of regular groups other than the um the christian business group that, that i manage yeah and how did that group come about how did you come to set your own group up through networking funnily enough um, <laughs> so so i it struck me i maybe going back to that thing of oh i'm not going to meet um get the sort of work with churches through through networking and i was just considering that of like it feels a little bit odd that i've not met any christians in the amount of online networking that i did through mm. covid which at times was ridiculous and the next week um two different people introduced me to two other separate people who are both christians yeah. and i had conversations with both of them about the same thing and about um yeah christians networking um and one of those was adam clegg who's uh, who runs swift accountancy mm-hmm. um and we continued that discussion and <laughs> long story short we, we launched cbix so um yeah it's an, an online group it's monthly its focus is pretty regional so with it being christian businesses in kent it it's fairly obvious where that yep. region is but we, <laughs> we we generally get people from across the southeast yeah um but what that's also led to as well as you know we we've had some in-person socials we've we've launched uh, an annual in-person kind of mini conference type type thing um which there's an interesting kind of story around that as well in as much as despite it being a regional group and okay kent's a big area but it's not that big mm. to try and get people to travel to something in person these days is, is near <laughs> impossible so we'll vary the socials around the county mm. and we'll get people who will, who will travel a little way but never too far and so the point of launching we call it the cbic forum the point of that wasn't for the sake of having another event it wasn't the sake of like having a conference certainly wasn't for the sake of making a profit but it was saying if we want to get people along to something in person it has to be more than just an hour and a half yep. social or, yep. or networking meeting and um yeah it seems to be that that's working that by making it a, a bigger event um that's the case yeah. um but the other thing that that CBIC has led to is networking with other similar groups around the country so we are by no means the first to be doing Christian networking and in that niche. Um, in fact, there's a, a group in Oxford which has been running for sort of 10, 15 years, and I'm sure there are others around the world. Yeah. Um, but it's enabled us to join with them so that we can grow our own individual networks but then link to other people. So we're not interested in sort of franchising and saying, right, let's have a Christian businesses in London and Christian businesses in Surrey yeah, and all yeah. of this. But if someone comes along who is from outside of our jurisdiction, we can say, oh, you're very welcome to come. But did you know there's actually a group nearer to you? And that sort of interconnected, supportive side of the Mm. network um, has become really important to it as well. Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying about, you know, having to have a bigger event to attract people to travel. Do you think that's partly as a result of, of the pandemic we all kind of got out of the habit of traveling to networking meetings on a regular basis because I've I've sort of found the same thing and found mm. myself thinking oh, well I could go to that meeting but is it really worth my while to get in the car and drive to it you know yeah yeah and that's not a bad thing in a sense is it that mm. we because there are so many things that we could attend just by sitting in our desk chair and not moving we have become more picky and maybe that means that some groups have, have died out because of that. And I'm sure that there are others that have started because of that. You know, mm. it's a case of saying, right, what what is actually our USP? What value are we providing people in persuading them to come? Because, yeah, I you know, the lunch group I mentioned, it was only about 
uh, maybe half an hour's drive away from here. But where we have the one car, and if Naomi had it at work, that meant that it was sort of an hour-ish train journey. But with the timings, you know, if I've got the train <laughs> yeah. and arrived five minutes late, it's not going to work. So that basically means it's taken me two and a half hours to get to a lunch meeting for an hour or two and then two and a half hours to get back. That's your whole day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's not surprising that people won't go to, to that sort of thing yeah. um, in the same way. But it it is a shame that it, it's harder to get people out when when you can see the value in it. And it's just kind of become habitual to, to not go out. So I think it means you, you have to focus more on the value you are providing um, and then obviously promote it well and show people that value. You can't just assume that they're going to turn up anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So before I let you go, Joe, um, hmm. I know that you're a podcast host too. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so um, we're called Gourds and Pomegranates, um, which is an incredibly random name that I, <laughs> I won't go into the details now. If you listen to the first episode, then we talk about it there. Um, but much along the themes of what I do as a business, um, we are about helping churches with their communications. So again, that um, all around approach of whatever that means with the communications. Um, so we've just finished recording our fourth series we've managed to record all of it before i move house which is great well news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously i've not edited it yet so that's still to do um but yeah one of the episodes we're, we're talking about um sort of group chats and whatsapp and how churches have been using them and, and the, mm. the pitfalls with that and i think it, it's not just the obvious things like to talk about websites and to talk about logos and social media we do because it's it's important mm -hmm. but it's saying what are the the sort of less obvious things which are actually still quite important to the functioning of, of things as, as a church so so that's been really great to do that I do that with a lady called Hannah who is a social media specialist um, and we yeah rabbit on at each other and get guests on so um so yeah it's good fun yeah well check out gourds and pomegranates um I shall go and have a listen to that after this Joe yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I can see my church using whatsapp but no it's, it's said in their ways it? yeah yeah <laughs> anyway thank you so much for being my guest i've really enjoyed our, our conversation and just finally if people want to get in touch with you what is the best place for them to find you so best place unsurprisingly is to go to my website so that's begallant.uk the idea that i can be gallant by name and by nature <laughs> and um yeah if if you're interested in the other things then then get in touch with me through that and i can always point people in the right direction lovely thank you very much joe thanks liz Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.